I'm going to be talking about boldness today, and, and uh, I think you're going to really enjoy it. Um, go ahead and let's take a look at that graphic that's on the screen. Um, I love the fact that some of you actually use our app for the sermon notes and are already texting me, say, where's the notes? <laughs> right? Well, this is the notes today, right here. You've got it right there. And I know some of you said, well, how do I get a copy of that? Well, I have a limited number of these in cardstock at the Connect desk. I'm just going to ask you to take one per family if you can, um, but it'll give you, it's something I created uh, on the spur of the moment. Someone asked me, said, why don't you animate it? It's funny you said that because our graphic design guy said, you know, if you'd have given me a little bit more than five hours to do this, I could have animated it. I said, yeah, God bless you. I know I'm, I'm bad about stuff like that. But um, last week, uh, l- let me just... Let me just pray, and then we're going to get into sermon mode, okay? Because that was announcement, what God's doing in our land. But now I just want to get, just reset our hearts for a moment, okay? Heavenly Father, we pray for the Spirit of God to fall on every heart today. We pray, Father, for those who are away from God to be drawn near, for those who are apart from God and don't know him to be saved. We pray, God, that righteousness will avail in the land. We pray, God, there will be a mighty move of the Spirit in our hearts today, in this church, in our communities, and, God, that we would see the very glory of God displayed in our lives, in our families, in the works that we do. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. You know, one of the things that, that really makes this place unique is the fact that we talk about prophetic things. We talk about end times. And last week we talked about the red heifer. And uh, how many of you were here last week? How many? Yeah, okay. I should have said how many of you weren't not here. Go back and listen to it because this is a part two because so many people said, I need a timeline to put all this into place. What's happening in our world? So I sat down and I put this together because I wanted to help you to understand how all the pieces fit prophetically in the word of God. So what I want to do is I want to take you back first to 609 BC. In 609 BC, Jerusalem was besieged by a king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. He came into Israel and he took the best of the land, one of whom was Daniel the prophet. What that signaled was the end of a united Israel. Israel ceased to be a nation in 609 BC. They would not become a nation again until 1948. So for nearly 2,500 years, there was no Israel. And part of the miracle that we can rejoice in is that we're living in a prophetic time where we see the fulfillment of not just that prophetic uh, message, but also many, many others of which I'm going to talk to you about today. Now, Jesus, if you have your Bibles, Jesus was, was uh, always trying to answer the questions of his disciples the best way he could. So I want you to take your Bibles and look to chapter 24 of the book of Matthew. Now, it's going to be really important that you understand this chapter. If you're going to understand end-time prophecy, you're going to have to put your arms around chapter 24 of the book of Matthew. So I'm going to read a portion of this, and then we're going to jump to the scriptures that relate to the specific prophecies we're talking about today. So if you look with me in chapter 24 and verse 3, it says, Now we said on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? If you remember last week, we talked about the red heifer, and there was a heifer bridge that ran from the temple over to the Mount of Olives. 
And as they would take those heifers over there, this was for a sacrifice for the purification of the priest. And, and it was on the Mount of Olives, remember, where Jesus prayed. It was on the Mount of Olives where he said, I will return on this spot. And so it's a very interesting and very significant place in history. And they said to him, like we say, God, what is the sign of your coming? What can we look forward to in the end of the age? And Jesus began to unfold in somewhat chronological order what the answer to that question is. He says in verse four, Jesus said, take heed that no one deceives you. Now, why would he begin a lesson with that message? Because people are going to try to deceive you. They're gonna people say that, well, you know, it's just like any other day. Jesus is not coming back. Or they're gonna say, yeah, I know it says that, but that's an old book. Listen, either the Bible is the word of God or it is not the word of God. You either stand on truth or you stand on error. You either stand on a rock or you stand on sinking stand. And so what you have to do is you have to understand this is all based on the word of God. Now look at verse five. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. Now don't be confused by this. They will say, I am the Messiah. What they're literally saying is, I am the solution to your problem. We have modern day false prophets who are saying they are the solution to your problem. Whether it's Bill Gates or Fauci or whoever it is, these are false prophets that are trying to tell you to trust something uh, instead of trusting God. Trust science? No, you trust in God. You use science when it works, but you trust in the Lord, amen? When you trust in anything but God, you have created an idol, and when those idols are never gonna pay you a dividend, None of them will. And this is not an anti-science talk, it's just simply saying it has its limitations, God has none. Can you say amen to that one? All right, now look what else he says. For many will come into my name, say I am the Christ, and then now notice verse six, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, see that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. So only the dead have seen the end of war, said Plato. Wars are a part of life. They're a part of the human conflict because we have a fallen spirit and a fallen heart. And so man's always going to try to one-up man. Man is always going to seek an advantage. Jesus said, don't let wars confuse you. Now let me give you some details he's telling us here, and I want you to understand, and here's the first point, World War I, this is where you can start marking your timeline in the book of Matthew, chapter 24. Look what he says in verse seven. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilence, and earthquakes in various places. Now what's significant about this is the first time there was a, uh, a nation against nation, a kingdom against kingdom battle was World War I. All other wars prior to that were local, local and tribal. They were not global. And so when he uses these particular terms, we say, wait a minute, when did that happen? Has that ever happened? Yes, it happened in World War I. Remember, it was touted to be the war that went in all wars that no one would ever go into a global conflict like that. The person who said that had not read the book of Revelation because there is a battle called the Battle of Armageddon where it says all the kings of the earth will assemble themselves against the Lord and against his anointed and they will say, let us break the the, the ropes and the, the things that bind us and let us be free. And the Bible says that God, and this is Psalm 2, God says he who sits in the heavens shall laugh. 
When man says, I can stop you, God, God laughs. He doesn't get nervous. He doesn't get shaky. He doesn't try to work on another plan. He just laughs. I hear God laughing in society today. He's laughing with joy because he knows the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. Can you say amen? Can you put your hands together and give God the glory today? So we see here, World War I is the first piece. Notice the next one is Israel as a nation. Now what really makes this fascinating is Isaiah 66 and verse eight. Here's what the Bible says. Who has heard of such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the earth made to give birth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. Now, Israel becoming a nation on May 14th, 1948 may not seem that significant to you unless you understand this is a fulfillment of Isaiah 66 and verse eight. You see, here's what happened. There was a British mandate over the land. They literally controlled the land of Israel. And what happened was that mandate ended the day before ending British control. The United States immediately recognized Israel's sovereignty as a nation, and during a 24-hour span of time, foreign control uh, formally ceased over Israel. Israel declared independence, and it was acknowledged by other nations, and modern Israel was born in a single day. It's never happened in the history of the world. Do you realize how significant that is? You see, when you live in a, in a time where you can take the, the headlines and you can take your Bible and say, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, you're living in prophetic heightened period of time. Now I want you to take the next one. Look at 1950. 1950, the law of return. Now the law of return was a formal law that was made in Israel and it basically said any Jew living anywhere in the world can come to Israel and be a citizen. Now you say, well what's so significant about that? Well remember in 609 BC, Israel ceased to be a nation and they began to be dispersed yet another time all across the world. So it's called the diaspora. And what that means is that Jews living everywhere, they're trying to avoid persecution and they set up uh, shops, some in Russia and some uh, in Iran and some in Germany and all across the world were they setting up their people into communities, Jewish communities, but they were not a nation. But in 1950, the nation of Israel said, you can be a citizen here. Now, why, does that be, why is that so important? Well, let's look at Isaiah 43, verses five and six. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east, gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not keep them back. Bring my sons and my daughters from afar and my, my daughters from the ends of the earth. Now you think about what's happening here. God says, I'm gonna bring my people from every, every angle of the compass. I'm gonna bring them back into this place. You say, why is that significant? Because it's never happened before because it happened beginning in 1948, fulfilling Isaiah chapter 43. Now Israel is this fledgling nation struggling to, to hold on and to gain power against all forces against them, against Jordan and Egypt and, and uh, Syria, and they're all wanting to, to come up against them. But it says here in, in Luke chapter 21 and verse 24, and they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led captive until all nations, there's the diaspora, 
and Jerusalem will be trampled down by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles were fulfilled. So here's what it's saying. When Jerusalem is no longer in Gentile control, the times of the Gentiles is coming to an end. So a war breaks out. It's called the Six-Day War because that's how long it took for Israel to clean up with Jordan, Syria, and Egypt. They were outmanned, outgunned, probably 10 to 1. And yet God intervened. There's a miraculous stories coming out of there where, where literally there, there's miracles where pilots have said, I don't have any explanation for what happened, and I was up against five MiGs, and I, and I defeated them all. There is no explanation whatsoever. Within four hours, Israel had retaken control of the Temple Mount, and the world witnessed young Israeli Defense Force soldiers weeping as they touched the Western Wall for the first time in their life. You're living in prophetic times. Russian Jews, 1970. Jeremiah chapter 23, verses seven and eight. As the Lord lives, who brought up and led the descendants of the house of Israel from the north country. We're talking about Russia here. And from all the countries where I had driven them, and they shall dwell in their own land. Do you realize that, it, that Russia, the Soviet Union, literally expelled the Jews out of the land? They said, we don't want you here. 163,000 Jews alone fled to Israel. They put up residency there. Soviet Union had no idea what they were doing. They were bankrupting themselves academically and scientifically. That's why the Soviet Union is just a shell of what it was. Uh, Russia is today a shell of what the Soviet Union was. It was because of the expulsion of the Jews in the 70s. We're living in prophetic times the Ethiopian Jews. This is the most amazing story here in 1984. Zephaniah chapter three, verses nine and 10. For then I will restore to the people a pure language. Do you realize what happened in 1948? They declared Hebrew as the official language of Israel. They went back to the pure language of the Jews. They went back to the currency of the Jews, the shekel that they may all call on the name of the Lord to serve him with one accord. From beyond the rivers of Ethiopia, my worshipers, the daughter of my dispersed ones, shall bring my offering. 93,000 Ethiopian Jews were airlifted into Israel beginning in 1984 and following. You say, how did the Jews get to Ethiopia? Well, some say it was Solomon who had married the, the queen of Sheba and that that descendants, because it's a very pure line uh, that exists within, among the, the black um, Ethiopians of Africa. But you see, for the Jews living in Israel, it was not about skin color. It was not about wealth. It was not about any of those things. It was about bloodline, because they knew, they knew some, God was doing something. You see, when God gets ready to do something, he does it. You say, well, I don't know about that. Well, then you're probably not witnessing any miracles in your life. Guess what? I got good news. You can start in today. You know, it's not a hard step to go, you know what? I wasn't believing, but I think I'm going to start believing. I wasn't close, but I'm going to get close to the edge of where God is. And I'm going to show you some things that I think is amazing. The next one on the list, on the chart, is 9-11. Now, you might ask yourself, what, what is going on with 9-11? Is that in the Bible? Well, uh, not exactly, but I want to show you how we're going to build this idea here. What happened at 9-11 in New York City and Washington, D.C.? 
okay? What happened was America turned its back on God. This was a warning sign. This was a judgment of God. You see, it's that kind of a strong statement. It wasn't simply an attack. Well, I'll let you decide as we go through this. But one thing is for certain, it changed America. Now, you know, a lot of people are hopeful because the churches were filled for a few weeks. You see, that, that's really called foxhole religion. I got scared, so I went to church. That's not the same. That's not the same as walking with God. You see, when your faith gets challenged, we're going to find out if you know God or don't know God. Because if you don't really know God, you're going to fold. You're going to roll over like so many people did during this last season and, and fall prey to woke Christianity, complacency, and just back to life as normal. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 10. The bricks have fallen down, but we will rebuild the hewn stones. The sycamores are cut down, but we will replace them with cedars. Now, this is a story that took place, and it's a much larger discussion that we would have to have to make it very, very clear to you what's happening. But what happened was when, when Israel experienced a setback and a calamity and a destruction where their, the, everything was built down, they were defiant. And they basically shook their fist, said, we will show you, we will build back better. We will build the tower higher than it was before. We will be stronger than we've ever been before. There wasn't any yielding to God. It was American defiance. And I believe it was in that moment that God said, if you won't take this warning, then you've opened the door to your nation and you're going to see things that you're not going to believe in the days ahead. You're right now experiencing things in America you never thought you would see. Very few of you would say, I disagree. But I'm telling you, this is a unique time. You see, 9-11, the hedge of protection, I believe, was crumbled or broken down in America. Things begin to change. Do you realize that Washington, D.C., and New York are both really integral cities to the nation? Washington, D.C. represents the, the, the very power of the military might of the nation, and New York represents the financial capital of the world. These are both key cities when you come to those things. Do you know when the construction of the Pentagon began? It began in 1941 on September 11th. It was 60 years later to the date that the Pentagon was attacked and the wall of, was clearly broken down. The Pentagon cannot save America. It's under attack. Do you think it was a coincidence it was 60, days to the, 60 years to the day? He said, well, I, 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 it might have been. Well, the construction began on the Pentagon with guess how many workers? 3,000. Guess how many died in 9-11 at the Pentagon in New York? 2,977. Is that a coincidence? Maybe. New York City, the financial center of the world. No one would dispute that. Definitely the financial center of America. Well, you may not know this, but Henry Hudson, when he was sailing down uh, in, into the New York Harbor there, it was 1609, September 11th. Well, those are a lot of coincidences, Pastor. Yeah, or God's up to something. It's always interesting when it gets quiet. I'm not sure whether you love this, you hate me, or whatever. <laughs> Job chapter 12, verse 23 through 25. 
He makes nations great and he destroys them. Think about that, that thought right there. Can a nation rise without his aid? Asked Ben Franklin. We have been assured in the sacred book, unless the Lord builds a house, they who build it labor in vain. Can a sparrow fall to the ground without his notice? Can an empire rise without his aid? No. Job says he makes nations great and he destroys them. He enlarges nations and he guides them. He takes away the understanding of the chiefs of the people of the earth and makes them wander in pathless wilderness. They grope in the dark without light and he makes them stagger like a drunken man. I propose to you we are living in a time where the chiefs of our land, the chiefs of our land are wandering down pathless wilderness paths. They grope, they're groping in darkness without light. The things that are happening in our world call upon us to pray for a great move of God in our land. I believe God is not done with America. I believe God wants to do something great. I believe there is a revival and a move of God coming, and it's gonna come because the people of God humble themselves, they turn from their wicked ways, and they seek the Lord with all their heart, their mind, their soul, and their strength. Amen? It's no longer that we can't live in a time where somebody will do something. You must do something. It's, it's really incumbent upon you to do something. You know, last year, uh, you've heard this, I haven't talked about it a lot lately, but last year we started something called American Faith. And I really started it because I was just frustrated with what was going on in California politics and the, the lack of truth, and, and it was hard to get good information. And so we started something called American Faith. And little did we know that it would become a major endeavor on our part. Little did I know that we would now, we have a team of, of paid and volunteers of about 20, 22 people. We have four full-time writers that write and publish 34 news stories every single day. Many of you are the recipient of that. Some of you are new here and you don't know what we're doing with this. We encourage you to, to go on to uh, AmericanFaith.com. We'd love for you to support the work that we do. But let me show you how, how this has caught on. So this week, we just crossed the 100,000 daily subscribers to our newsletter. Now, what makes it really interesting, you can send out a newsletter, nobody reads it. But this one has a 70% open rate. That means 70,000 people every single day are looking and reading this. You say, well, is that, is that significant? Well, Chris Ruddy is a friend. He's the owner and founder of, of Newsmax, and I was talking to him on the phone. I was talking about our journey. And he said, we've been going 25 years. I have 34 full-time writers. Our open rate is 21%, all right? We have 25 million people visit our site, and we have about 4 million people views every month. He said, Phil, in, in five years, American Faith will pass Newsmax. But let me tell you what we're doing. We're giving you news you can trust. We're publishing stories nobody else does. Why? Because we believe the way back to America is gonna be through one or all of the seven mountains that have been laid out in front of us. And, then, and when we start talking about going into entertainment, we start going back into media, we're talking about going to the church world and the school world, all those things. We have to touch every aspect of society if we're going to change society. We cannot be just hiding in our church thinking all is well. We love Jesus, us four and no more. It's gotta be, we've gotta get out and make a difference, amen? Gotta make a difference for the kingdom of God. 
Now we're at 2020, the great falling away. This is an interesting section. I really encourage you to read 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 because it really tells us something about what's happening. And I'm just going to turn in my Bible and I'm going to give you a little bit more of that understanding. You know, the Word of God, once you understand how it's knit together, um, it becomes such a powerful tool uh, to understanding the future. Listen to what it says in 2 Thessalonians. He said, now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the gathering together to him we ask, not to be shaken of mind or troubled either by spirit, by word, or by letters, if the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes, the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself against all that is called God and sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself to be God. So here's what Paul says. Let me just kind of break that down for you. He says there's coming a time when the church when those who are, who are followers of God, they're gonna start falling away from the truth. I believe that began in 2020. I believe COVID was a tactic of the enemy to confuse the masses and to sort out those who really knew God and loved God. Barna says one-third of all the people that attended churches in 2019 will never be back to church today. They have not returned. One-third of American so-called Christians have not come back. They'll say things like, well, I watch you online. Let me tell you something. The body of Christ only works when you're gathered. Hey, online is a convenience when you're not here. It's not a substitute for the gathering of people. The Bible says in Hebrews, it says, uh, just regularly uh, encourage one another to assemble yourselves together as is the habit of some, but all the more as you see the day drawing near. In other words, the closer you get to the return of Christ, the more diligent you should be about the gathering of the church. Amen? You can say amen because you're here today. Amen? (laughs) All right. The red heifer appears in 2022. We're moving up the clock here. Uh, Numbers chapter 19, verse 2, I won't go into a lot of detail because we spent a whole message on it last week. This is the ordinance of the law of the Lord has commanded, saying, Speak to the children of Israel that you bring a red heifer without blemish in which there is no defect and on which a yoke has never come. Well, on September 15, 2022, five red heifers arrived in Israel. They were celebrated. There was an official gathering. Now, there's a time frame that they have to wait and make sure. They want to make sure that these heifers are completely spotless. We'll wait and see on that one. But it's required that for the, the sacrifice in the temple to happen. And now I bring you up to another 2022 date, the days of Elijah. Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Now notice what this prophet's going to do. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Did you notice who he's talking to? He's talking to men. He says, what I'm going to do in the days of Elijah is I'm going to bring about a movement of men. I'm going to call men out of their complacency. I'm going to call men out of their weakness. I'm going to call men out of the struggles of life. I'm going to give them a spirit of power, an anointing that they're going to be able to change not only the world they live in, but they're going to confront the evil of their days. You see, we're living in a day of gender confusion. 
Gender confusion, George Walkwell said this, it's not evil itself which is horrifying about our times. It is the way we not only tolerate evil, but we have made a cult of positively worshiping weakness. You know, I, I never wanted to see my dad get in a fight, but I always hoped that if he did, he won. You know what I'm talking about? There's something about a young man that wants to know his dad is a man will stand in the middle of struggles and trials. Even if he loses, he's gonna stand. And we have to realize that in this time of gender confusion, this all goes back to the cults of the, of the Roman Empire, the false gods who are trying to say there is no distinction between male and female. There is no manhood, there is no womanhood, it's just us. Listen, I am a man, I am a husband, I am a Christian and I will not be identified with a number or a they pronoun or anything else. I will stand in the power of Almighty God in the name of Jesus Christ because the word of God is true. Can I get an amen? I want you to know men are gonna bring back broken families. There's gonna be renewed spiritual power among men. There's gonna be a reuniting of fathers and sons. The spirit of Elijah will bring about an unprecedented measure of God's power and prophetic revelation. Men are gonna start speaking out truth like they've never spoken before. They're gonna call people to righteousness by calling them to repentance. They're gonna be able to prepare people for the second coming of Jesus Christ, amen? Because he's coming back whether you want him to or not, whether you believe it or not, the Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Can you put your hands together and give him glory today? Give him praise, give him honor. He is God, he is King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen, amen.